You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hello, hello, Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist here, here with my partner in life and crime, Brandon Ware. Hey. And we are late with this podcast, and we apologize, but we've had a bunch of stuff going on in our lives over the past week or two that has taken priority over work for both of us, and we're back today because we thought this might be an opportunity to share not only what's going on in our lives, but to talk about the role gratitude as a practice plays in getting you through some of the tougher times. So coming back from the holidays, ringing in the new year, we ran into an issue with our our puppy, our dog. So our dog Lido, if you follow us on Instagram, you know that she's a big part of our life. She follows us everywhere, travels with us everywhere. And she's, she's our baby. And I know for some people, a dog uh, is a dog. And for other people, a dog is a member of the family. And I think it's personal and, and cultural, the differences. Because when we first got our little dog, Lido, 11 years ago, my mom, who is from Jamaica, <laughs> looked at the dog, this two-pound dog, and said, where is she going to sleep? Outside? What do you want with a dog like that? <laughs> and that's because growing up, dogs weren't really pets to my mom and her family in Jamaica. They were there for security and other things. I mean, they, they loved them in a different way. For us, however, Lido the Palm is a really important part of our lives. And she's been diagnosed with stage three of a three-stage cancer. We found a lump in her neck that has grown into her spine and metastasized her lungs. And so I'm not trying to be a downer. I just want to give you some context as to, first of all, why we're a couple days late, but also more importantly, why we're going to be talking about gratitude. Because in the midst of all of this, and for us, it's certainly been a bit of a a crisis. Uh, We're pretty upset. We're sad. We're treating her palliatively. Of course, we're a little bit hopeful. And in the midst of this experience of feeling really, really sad and also a little bit guilty because we're wondering like how we didn't catch it sooner, and Brandon can maybe say what what he's feeling, but in the midst of this, what's really interesting is that a couple of days ago, I had to run down to Mexico. I was doing some work down there with Desire. Brandon stayed up in Florida with the dog to get her radiation treatments. But in the midst of it all, I felt sad, but super grateful. And so I started thinking like, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to have 15 or 18 years with this dog. And she's such an important part, not only of my life, but of Brandon's life. I think they're best buddies. I'm only getting 11. That really sucks. But I'm also thinking, well, we're so lucky, man, that that we're in Florida where there's a cancer care center because there really isn't one that that provides the treatment we need back home in Toronto. We're so lucky that we have a place to stay down in Florida. We're so lucky that the oncology clinic is literally three minutes away from our place down here. We're so lucky that we have each other. We're so lucky that we both work for ourselves. And even though, unfortunately, I have to run off and leave, Brandon is able to adapt his schedule 
to to be here with her. Like he's certainly working from here. And I thought, dear God, when you see the bills, we're so lucky we can afford it. But more importantly, we have insurance. And so I never really think about gratitude, but I know that I practice it. And I'm a flawed person. (laughs) I have a lot of things I have to work out for myself. So by no means am I saying I'm this, you know, perfect person who's got things figured out. But one thing I do have figured out is gratitude. It's not something I have to work on because I guess I worked in it on it in the past so much that it's a part of my natural practice, a part of my natural being. And in this time that feels very stressful, a little bit tragic, um, I'm quite nerve-wracked that I have to leave for for Switzerland for work and leave Brandon alone with this. In all of that, I feel very lucky. And now, granted, I know that it's easy to feel lucky when I have to run to Mexico for work, when I'm working on the beach. But, you know, when there's a health issue with someone you care about, and I know mine is a dog, okay, but for me, it's it's a big deal. Uh, you know, nothing else is at the forefront of your mind. So I wanted to talk about gratitude and how you can, first of all, help it to be, to come more naturally to you. So first of all, how do we make gratitude arise more naturally? And then how do you ensure that that practice of gratitude benefits specifically your relationships, whether those be intimate or familial or otherwise? I know that gratitude maybe is something you work on a little bit harder. Yeah, I've had to work a lot harder on becoming grateful. I think if you'd asked me 10, 15 years ago, am I grateful for what I have? I I always was striving for more. It was as though if I didn't allow myself to feel content with what I had or grateful for what I had, I would, it would inspire me or motivate me to work harder for something else. And over the last, probably it's been fairly recent over the last few years, I know there's been a few pivotal experiences for me that I can share that have really been like a giant slap in the face that have been like, hey man, you've got to be thankful and appreciate and be grateful for what you have. Because everything, when it changes, I think a lot of times things change in a what seems like a heartbeat. Like this, what we're going through right now, and again, I, I've had to contextualize this when I've been talking to clients and to other people that I work with, because I've been grappling with this idea that this is like to me our dog is very very important and um i feel like some people who don't have a pet or who don't maybe have other dependents in their life feel as though hey it's just a pet so i've had to kind of come to terms with this almost in explaining myself to some people and i feel stupid for needing to do that first and foremost then i've felt guilty over uh, this is called into question my privilege too like I mean I've started to think about how privileged am I that my entire life like this is this is the struggle that I'm dealing with right as opposed to some real struggles that I think other people deal with on a daily basis whether that is you know oppressive in nature or physical in nature like uh, so for me, I've had all these kind of conflicting feelings because I'm like, holy crap, man, like this is my life. My life is the bubble that I have. And right now that bubble has been pierced or disrupted. 
And there's been so much I've had to kind of come to terms with in terms of understanding how I feel, what's going on, and, you know, understanding the entire situation. So I'm rambling about, I think I'm not even answering the question, but there's been just so many things I've had to think about over the last, geez, it's been, what, seven days since this is? Seven, eight days since we got the diagnosis. Yeah, and when I when I came back from Mexico and said I felt grateful, I don't think that's something you were feeling in that moment. No, but I did have my moments over the last week where what has happened has forced me to just slow down. I've had to take a moment. I remember when we, you know, we were waiting on test results and I was walking outside and I just was mindful in that moment of how I felt physically about the physical sensations I was feeling. And I just meant the warmth of the air, the breeze, the smells, and that, I mean, I was being grateful, but I don't think in my mind at that moment that I was thinking, I'm very grateful for this. But I've had these ups and downs where I'm like, okay, man, I feel like crap. How do I feel appreciative and grateful for this, uh, what I have at the moment? So I think that kind of takes us into some of the strategies we can talk about for feeling more grateful because we have a wealth of research and I don't need to get into it on the benefits of gratitude practice. So we know that it's positively correlated with better mental health and physical health outcomes. We know that it's good for our relationships. We know that it's good for our self-esteem. There's, you know, a wealth of data in that area. But what I want to talk about is how you practice gratitude, how you make it a part of your daily routine so much so that you don't always have to go out of your way to feel grateful. Now, sometimes I do have to go out of my way. There are certain triggers <laughs> that I have where I'm just lucky that I have gratitude as a tool in my emotional toolbox or arsenal. But the first strategy that comes to mind for me is something that I remember reading about in The Art of Happiness. So this was a book that involved conversations with the Dalai Lama. But my interpretation is that happiness requires you to be grateful for what you have. And one way to be grateful for your own life experience is to consider, think about, observe people who don't have it as good as you. And when I first read this, it sounded kind of almost to me cruel, (laughs) but I realized that's not how it was intended. And again, I'm paraphrasing. But for example, when you go and volunteer with people whose lives are more difficult than yours, when you read about, when you watch a film about, when you engage with people who struggle with issues that are givens or privileges to you, And you ensure that you have exposure to a wide variety of people as opposed to being insular and only hanging out with people who think the way you do, speak the way you do, have the same privileges you do, have the same money you do. I think that there's a real value in that, in being around people or at least considering the plight of those who have it worse than you because we have a tendency when it comes to comparisons to only compare ourselves to people who have it better. So if it's about the way you look, you're looking at people whose bodies you like more than yours. If it's about money, you're comparing yourself to people who have more than you. If it's about financial or professional success, again, you're comparing yourself always to people who are better than you. But do you stop and think about 
all those who don't have it as good, who don't have it as easy. And Brendan, I remember this when we first met. You would talk about how hard you worked and how you had to work harder than other people and how you had to you know, borrow money and work to get through school. And I remember thinking, yeah, and you have a gazillion privileges as a Canadian, white, smart, charming, handsome man whose parents were able to help get you jobs when you were in high school and, and university. Yeah, I don't think that I was brought up to really understand the privilege that I had. And I think it's a tough pill for you to swallow that you need to swallow. But you need to check yourself and just... I need to check myself. I'm sorry, I'm referencing my own experience. I needed to check myself because you're right. I felt as though I worked very hard to get what I had. And I didn't think about all the advantages that I had. And when you take a moment to think about what other people have to endure or go through... I think it gives you the opportunity to be more grateful for what you have. And you're, to me, you're completely right. Going outside of your, uh, of your, of your group, your bubble and seeing other people experiencing, understanding, being empathetic or trying to, for me, helps with my, helps me be grateful and to be appreciative. Yeah, and I, th- I think it helps you appreciate your relationships and your life. And I, I think about your company. Brandon has a, a real estate company, and it's, it's called Verity Real Estate. I had to look at him to make sure I got that right. But one of the things they do as a group every month is they volunteer. And they're not doing, you know, sexy volunteer work at a fundraiser or a charity gala. Your boots on the ground, either cooking meals for people who are housing insecure, meaning they don't have a place to live, or you're working with adults in respite care who are dealing with either dementia or developmental disabilities. You may be singing karaoke with them. You may be cooking meals for them. But it is quite impactful, I find. It makes you far, and we do it together uh, with his staff and mine, it makes you feel quite appreciative. And the little things that we worry about, right? Like I might be worried because someone cut me off on the road or I might come in pissed off because, you know, I don't know, somebody was rude to me at the store. But come on, these are ridiculous I won't even call them problems. They're ridiculous little hiccups that I face. And then when you see that other people have more struggles and seem more happy and mindful than we are oftentimes, it's quite an awakening. You just don't, if you don't extend yourself outside of what you're dealing with every day. I mean, and again, I'm talking about those of us that have opportunity. Once you step outside that realm and see what other people are dealing with, to me, it's a big help. Again, the pivotal point, one of the biggest points for me was a a handful of years ago when we were in Jamaica and we went to um, uh, Jacob's Ladder and there was uh, an organization that your family has been involved with for years. They uh, take adults who are, what is it, they're 18 and over. Right. Yeah. And so the overarching organization, in case anyone's interested and they're going to Jamaica and they want to volunteer or learn more, it's Mustard Seed Foundation. And one of their communities is called Jacob's Ladder. And it's a working community where there's a farm. And that day, Brandon and I and my family, well, well, my family was planting 50 fruit and vegetable trees. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pivotal. It was impactful for me. I mean, we went and we interacted with the residents after and to see how they existed, which was a, a huge step up from, I think, how they had existed before being residents at this um, at this center was uh, hard for me. I had a hard time. I'm having a hard time right now, like even thinking about it. 
Yeah, it, it was interesting because we did this tree planting activity as a family, and it's a, we have a very big family. <laughs> I have a very big family, and then we had a big meal after. My my family is in restaurants in Jamaica, so uh, Island Grill provided us all with with a meal, and Brandon couldn't eat. You couldn't even be in the room with everyone, and because you're tall and strong and have this deep voice, and I guess appear relatively alpha. You, you, I'm sure you don't mind me saying, you were crying. Yeah. And it was making other people, all the other men cry. Um, and so I think, it, yeah, it's a reminder that you want to shift your life in some ways, not just to appreciate what you have, but also to do something with it. And so to bring it back to relationships, again, we also have research showing that when you volunteer, you become more attractive. When you volunteer, you like yourself more. When you volunteer together, it's a real bonding experience. So, uh, you know, I know that Valentine's Day is coming up and everybody will be asking for gift suggestions. And my suggestion is if you can find an opportunity to volunteer, it's pretty life changing. And I, it's been life changing for me. And I'm lucky that it's been something that my family um, has modeled for for a long time. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about, which is being aware of people who don't have it as easy as you do and doing something about it. And the second piece around feeling grateful. For me, if I'm not feeling grateful or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling really sad like I am right now over our puppy, or she's not a puppy, but I call her a puppy, is to think about not having what I have. And so that's one of the fears I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with the fact that I might have two days with her. I might have two months. It could be longer, of course. We'll see. But I find that if you think about what you have and then think about any of it being taken away, it changes your perspective on people. So I can be so pissed off at you. We can be fighting about something. I can be digging in. But if I think about, you know, whether I flew home and didn't make it home or something happened and we didn't have each other, it usually puts that argument into context for me. It usually tells me how insignificant it is. And it usually tells me to stop digging in. Yeah, I mean, the... the I, it's kind of depressing when I think about this mm. approach, but years ago I, I thought if you wake up every morning and you think about what's most important to you, and then if you thought about not having it or it being taken away from you, you probably would go about your day or at least the short term with a different approach or a different attitude. And I think people um, also tend to complain a lot about the things that we do on a daily basis. And a friend of mine who uh, brought something up about this recently where they said, I get to do this, right? As opposed to always complaining about the things that we have to do and the chores and dropping off the kids or getting groceries or walking up a flight of stairs to the second floor. She said to me, she's like, I approach it as though I get to do this. And for me, when I'm out doing something that in the past I might not have wanted to do, I think to myself, you know what? I get to do this right now. And there's going to come a day where the only thing that in the world that I want to do is to walk up a flight of stairs and I can't because I've got a broken leg or a lung problem or something else. Or, you know, my children have moved off to university and are, are now on their own and they're no longer here. So I don't get to drop them off or pick them up or vacuum the bathroom floor. I don't know. But just take that approach for a minute and think and let it sit with you. Ha, the vacuuming of the bathroom floor is really funny to me because I could see you vacuuming and being like, oh, her hair is everywhere. Why I have to vacuum up her hair. But that is an interesting perspective to think, well, what if I wasn't there? Yeah. For you to vacuum Would I complain about that? No, I'd probably be collecting it like a weirdo. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's the, the second uh, approach or hack, which is to think about what you have and what you value and think for a second about not having it. And that can help you to feel a bit more grateful. And as Brandon said, we're not looking to be morbid or a downer, but I do think it's an important consideration. And my next thought uh, has to do with physical mindfulness. This is something that I use often with you, not on purpose, but in the mornings or in the evenings when I lie on your chest and I hear your heart beating, it makes me very mindful of your body and that muscle that keeps you alive. And I hear that sound and I think that is the only sound standing between his being here with me and his not being here with me. No, what? Are you, are you talking about my heart or are you talking about my junk? No, your heart. What are you talking about? What sounds does your junk make? S- s- okay. If a penis what am I made, doing when if, you're... If a penis made a sound, what sound would a penis make? Apparently a snake. I don't know. You tell you me. Did. What, do you want it like to make a giraffe noise or a cow noise or something? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what noise would your penis make if it made a noise? I don't have a noise for, for Give my me junk. Moo. Oh my gosh! It's a, I have no idea. It's a sea cow. It's a, yes. Those things don't smell good. Great. <laughs> okay. So be more physically mindful. <laughs> uh, the heartbeat trick kind of works for me when I hear his heartbeat. I'm like, wow, I really want to hear that heartbeat for 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 60 more years. And then I also find that just being more physically mindful throughout the day makes me feel more grateful. So one thing with my little dog is that she likes to kiss. She likes to lick you. And when she kisses me, I love the temperature sensation of her cold, cold nose and her warm, warm tongue, whether it's like on my hand or on my cheek. And I've always noticed this for like the last 10 years. I always have thought thought about it as she kissed me. And I've always remained really, not always, but often remain really focused on the physical sensation. And I don't know, it just helps you to be in the moment. And I had mentioned it to you. And now that, of course, she's, you know, potentially on her way out, it's something we pay even more attention to. Yeah, I never really noticed it until you brought it up, which was great. I'm glad that you shared it with me because now when she does that to me, I'll pay attention to the cold nose, the whiskers Mm -hmm. and the warm uh, the warm tongue. Yeah. So they're little things that make you feel more appreciative, like lying in bed with you, for example, because I'm away so often from you and I'm always so cold when I'm lying next to you. Like I just came back the other day, you feel so warm. And so being mindful of the physical sensations can also help you to feel more grateful. I will say I, I am struggling with that part right now. Like I find my mind is really, really busy. So late at night, I'm trying to distract myself and distracting myself with, uh, you know, watching TV or doing something else because I find it, that's the real challenge for me right now is just breathing and, and kind of coming down because in those moments where there isn't anything to think about is when my mind goes off and goes nuts. So I really have to pay attention to the breathing, to, um, you know, the body scans, some of those things that that bring me down, that calm me and relax me. And I, at this point, should definitely plug my mindful sex online video course that I created with Dr. Reese Malone. And in this course, we go through different mindfulness techniques, including the body scan, starting with your breath, with visualization, with emotional mindfulness, and some touch activities. So you can find that on our website, sexwithdrjess.com or happiercouples.com, and check out the mindful sex 
online video course, which I think is a life changer if you, you know, go through the series of videos and audio files and worksheets over the course of, depends how long you want to make it be, but it could be four to 12 weeks. And so we've talked about being mindful of people who have more challenging situations than you. We've talked about being mindful of what you have and taking a moment to think about what it would be like if you didn't have it. We just talked about being more physically mindful. And then the next thing I wanted to talk about involves the gratitude gap. And in relationships, we tend to be grateful for one another, but we don't tend to express it. So if you want to change your relationship, start thanking your partner for the things that they do on a daily basis, especially the small things that you see as their job. So I find with couples who get along really, really well, who have a great relationship, the gratitude gap can actually be larger because they're just so used to taking care of things. Like, you know that I'm going to take out the garbage, or I know that you're going to pick up the kids, or you know that I'm going to walk the dog, and I know that you're going to make dinner. Well, this is totally flipped, obviously. But because you're so used to me doing what I do, or I'm so used to your doing what you do, we don't say thank you. I also think it becomes an expectation. And I think that that can be dangerous because it's even, it just amplifies the idea that I don't need to thank you because I'm expecting that right and i've done that in the past of course we've done it like i think i've been guilty of everything that everything that can be done incorrectly at some point i think each of us each of us has done Mm -hmm. it's just a willingness to accept it to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. and to fix it Mm -hmm. yeah so the point with the gratitude gap is fill that gap by consciously thanking your partner so taking a moment to think of something they've done for you today or they've done for you this week that maybe you didn't formally thank them or thank them with enough energy or passion so I can think for example we're down here in Florida and because we're working from home every day that we've been here Brennan you make me an amazing cortado and it's quite a process he weighs the beans he grinds them by hand in the hg1 grinder he makes me the he uses the pavoni to pull me this coffee so I don't know does a coffee take at least 10 minutes to make yeah, 10 or, 10 or 12 minutes to make yeah. a coffee. And I love it because you also serve it, serve it to me in those nice heavy ceramic cups. So, yeah, I should say thank you. Cause, and, and I get used to it because truthfully, I don't even, this is maybe embarrassing, I don't even know how to operate all those machines. So I just tell you I want a coffee and you make it. So thank you. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. <laughs> so if you can take a moment just to think of something you could thank your partner for. Now that will address the gratitude gap and help you feel more grateful. And again, we know that the benefits of gratitude extend far beyond self-relationship and into the community. Sexiness. Remember? It, it does make you sexy. Sexier. Boom. and then finally you know we had mentioned mindfulness and being mindful refers to being in the moment and being present without judgment i feel like it's such a buzzword right now it is everybody's dropping are you mindful right namaste Oh, no, that's something different. I know. Well, that and that's actually important to note that a lot of these concepts like mindfulness, and I know namaste, many people say it in yoga classes, uh, these are Western, often, I don't want to say bastardizations, but Western retoolings and appropriation of ancient Eastern concepts. So I think it's important to also you know, give credence to to the roots of these practices. But one type of mindfulness that I find can be quite powerful and life-changing is the practice of emotional mindfulness. Please elaborate. Yeah. So whatever you're feeling 
right now emotionally? I'll ask you, babe. Can you tell me how you're feeling right now? A little anxious, a little bit nervous, um, sad. Um, and I think so, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. So can you describe those feelings in your body? What are the physical Yeah, I feel sensations? like I have a pit in my stomach, a bit of butterflies. Um, I feel, I feel um, tired. I don't feel like I would normally feel in terms of going for a walk or a hike. Um, and I feel like I'm, I, I can't focus. Like I'm, I'm walking around doing a lot, but not doing anything. So that's, I mean, in a nutshell, how I feel. And so that's, I would say, a, a small version, but I think it's a great practice, of taking a specific emotion and describing how it feels in your body. And this practice can help you to feel more grounded, more in the moment, more mindful. And once you learn to recognize the physiological, the physical reactions that often represent a specific emotion, Sometimes you will see the physical reaction before you acknowledge the emotion and you can address it in some way. And so in our mindful sex course, this is one of the videos and exercises that we have people work through. And you can do this at, at home on your own. You don't have to buy the course or anything like that. Um, so I think, you know, what we're trying to do is give you some strategies to be more grateful. I know that many of you are familiar with the practice of gratitude and keeping gratitude journals. I think that's a great idea if you're feeling grateful for things. And I'd like you to specifically, if possible, apply it to your relationship. So if you can make a rundown of what you're grateful for in terms of your partner, in terms of your relationship, in terms of your dynamic and interactions, and then let your partner know to address that gratitude gap. I also think right now, like, we're going through something together, but there could be circumstances and, uh, you know, things happening in other relationships that are only specific to one person. Mm -hmm. So I think that that other partner's willingness to be empathetic, to listen, and I, I think just those two things alone are probably enough just to, to, to make the other person feel better. Like you talk about that gratitude gap and it's the idea that if I'm feeling a certain way because of what's going on with work or something like that and I'm trying to be more grateful, uh, my, uh, you know, expressing that to you and your willingness to listen is going to go, I think, a long way in terms of helping me and once again, strengthening this relationship. Yeah. And you bring me to another thought and that has to do with assigning gratitude. So anytime we share any, any topic or any insights, I always encourage you to focus on yourself as opposed to saying, oh, this could help my partner. Yeah, it could help your partner. But if you need to tell your partner you need to be more grateful, I would discourage you, <laughs> dissuade you. They can listen to this episode if they're interested. But I do see some people take our thoughts and our insights or sometimes our advice, I suppose, and try and assign it to other people and say, see, see what she said. You've got to listen to her. Nah, -uh. this is for you. If you want your partner to be more grateful, work on your own gratitude practice to begin with. If you want your partner to practice gratitude to fill the gratitude gap, model with your own behavior. I always say there are two types of people, people who see advice or insights or theories and think about how they can apply it to themselves and people who see those same sets of advice, insight, 
and advice and think about how they can apply it to somebody else to change somebody else's behavior. And you can't control someone else's behavior. So please, uh, you know, consider how this applies to you specifically and how you can benefit. Leading by example, right? It's very difficult. I think it's difficult. It can be difficult to do at times. But I mean, ultimately, you're not going to change somebody else the way you want to. So why not work on changing how you feel about it? Yeah, and I maybe this is something I have to offer a bit of a mea culpa because I I love life, man, and I've always known how good my life is, and I've always really felt like every damn day is so good. Every meal, every piece of bread, I love bread, every good coffee, every good wine, I soak it in. And I think, you know, if we look back 10 years ago, it used to bug me that you didn't really care. You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I think because your focus is always on food. (laughs) I'm a hungry bird. (laughs) And I'm not like, I don't take the same pleasure out of food and drink that you do. And I also think that you 10 years ago had less of a willingness to say like, yeah, life is fine. Definitely. And I think, again, it goes back to that first thing that I said, that if I was unwilling to accept that where I was at that moment in time was really damn good. And good enough. And good enough that I would work harder Mm -hmm. and strive towards something better without looking down, and I don't mean that in a mean way, but looking down at at all that group of people who have so much less or so much, such a greater struggle Mm -hmm. on on a daily basis and to be like, holy, holy crap, man, like, look how thankful, look how thankful should I be to have what I have, to be who I am. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think what I'm trying to say is the problem was me saying like, no, 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 be grateful like me, love life like I love life. And that's ridiculous because first of all, I don't know how you love life. You might just express it in a different way. And also the way you approach this is different. So it's okay if you don't have the same attitude toward gratitude as your partner. I had a bad attitude towards gratitude. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, man, that was a Terry Crews reference from 99. Oh, okay. Then we'll let okay. you, we'll we'll let let you let have it. Go. it. <laughs> well, I have to admit it was a bit difficult to get started with this episode because we have mostly been focusing on the cancer treatment and crying and sniffing our dog and just, you know, trying to figure out the logistics to make all of this happen. But it's been a great conversation. I'm glad you made me laugh. Uh, I feel a lot of release of tension. So, of course, when I started this podcast, it was to help other people, but I certainly get a lot out of it, too. Verbalizing, putting things out there. Yeah. Feels a little better. Yeah. And hopefully from our insights, you gain some of your own. So thank you for listening. Uh, I'll do a quick recap on the practice of gratitude, these different approaches. So one, thinking about those who have it harder. Number two, thinking about what you have and envisioning not having some of those things, especially relevant to relationships. Number three, being more physically mindful as you move through the world with your five senses, whether it's listening to your partner's heartbeat, feeling the warmth of their body, listening to the sounds of their breath, all those things can make you feel more vulnerable and close. Number four, addressing your gratitude gaps. So go thank them. Number five, mindfulness. So just being more in the moment. And one way to do that is through the practice of emotional mindfulness, describing how a feeling turns up in your body. And of course, there are other ways you can use gratitude in the relationship to address jealousy, 
to express greater vulnerability and to deepen intimacy. So we'll leave you with that. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you so much, as always, to Desire Resorts for your support of this podcast. It was great being down there with you this week. Even though I was on on my own, I had a great time. I met some amazing couples. Actually, you, you and I have some catching up to do, Brandon, because I had some great conversations and everyone was asking for you. So folks, wherever you're at, have a great one. We'll be back on time moving forward Friday mornings with a new episode of the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.